Okay, I do have a joke, all right? So here goes. Um, this is not a slight on farmers. I, I had an uncle who was a 90-year-old farmer, and he was as smart as a whip and sharp as could be. But, but at any rate, there's, there's this uh, farmer and an old guy, an insurance man comes out to sell him health insurance. And so he persuades him to get it, and they go into the house, and he's filling out the forms and, and paperwork. And he comes to this question, have you ever had an accident? And uh, this old guy said, nope, never had an accident. And the insurance man said, well, wait a second. He said, your arm's in a sling, and you limped the whole way in here, and the whole side of your face is all bruised. He said, how did that all happen if you've never had an accident? And he said, well, he said, every once in a while, the bull will get out of his pen, and if he does, he'll chase me across the field and across the pasture. If he catches me, he'll gore me a little bit and trample me some. And uh, the insurance man said, well, don't you call that an accident? And he said, well, heck no. He did it on purpose every time. <laughs> All right. Moving on. Moving on. There you go. Hey, so we're in a series, uh, we're calling it the Advent Series, and uh, you need to know that the church for, um, for centuries has practiced the worship of Jesus and his birth, not just on one day at the end of the month, but for the whole month to focus. Now, some segments of the church refer to that as a Christmas message series. Others call it Advent and have more, a more formal approach to it. We're doing the informal approach, but we're calling it Advent, okay? Because the word Advent means coming, means the opening up of something, something new. And so Advent is the coming of Jesus into the world. And the Jews were expecting a Messiah. They looked forward to a Messiah coming. And they believed that when he came, he would make all things right that he would bring with him the peace of God's kingdom, the peace of the kingdom of God. They referred to it as the coming age, and they realized that they were living in a fallen age, a broken age, but when Messiah came, he would do away with this broken, fallen age, and we would enter into the coming age, the kingdom age. And as one of the prophets wrote, he said, where every man beneath his vine and fig tree can live in peace and unafraid. That's what they were looking for. They had no idea, uh, because of the way they interpreted the prophets, that what was going to happen the first time Jesus came was that he was not going to do away with this present evil age. He was not going to abolish the current fallen age, but he was going to introduce the kingdom age. And so what they expected was fallen age, fallen age, fallen age, Jesus comes, this all fades away into nothing, and we enter into the coming age, the kingdom age. But instead what Jesus did was fallen age, fallen age, fallen age, Jesus came, fallen age continued, but the kingdom age is here as well. And so we live in this season of time where there's an overlapping of kingdoms, and we as a people, as believers in Christ, we identify with the kingdom not with this fallen age. And, and that's, that's the key understanding to really understand spiritual growth and the fulfillment of our God-given purpose on this planet is that our hearts come from the kingdom age. Think of it like this. It's almost as if Jesus uh, reached into the future 
and grabs a heart from the future and he brings it back into today and plants it in my chest, plants it in your chest so that you get a new heart, a kingdom heart, no longer a fallen heart, but a kingdom heart, a renewed, restored heart. And so um, the, the passage that Wilson read last week is a, is a great introduction for today because what we decided to do was to use the book of Isaiah as uh, our, our guide for the messages that we would speak on in this Advent season. And the passage that Will chose last week included the first three messages. And uh, the first week, uh, Luke's pro- preached on justice. Then last week, uh, Wilson preached on the Holy Spirit. And this week, I'm going to approach the uh, topic of peace and the peace of God. So Isaiah 32, verses 14 through 17, tell us this, says this. It says, the fortress will be abandoned, the noisy city devastated, citadel and watchtower will become a wasteland forever. And that doesn't mean forever in time, but it's kind of like just like a, it's speaking of the intensity of the wasteland, the delight of donkeys and a pasture for flocks. And what he's speaking of there, this is referring to the, the, the fallen age that started with Adam and Eve when they sinned, and sin came into the world, and everything changed, and, and all of humanity became fallen, this fallen age. But he says this then, that's going to exist until the Spirit is poured on us from on high. So there's Wilson's message on the Holy Spirit. The Spirit is poured from us on high, and he describes it by saying the desert becomes a fertile field. And so the desert, which is representative of the falling age, becomes a fertile field, and the fertile field becomes like a forest. And so there's a reversal of the effects of the fall that comes with the kingdom of God. And Wilson focused specifically on the Holy Spirit and the fact that Messiah did usher in the age of the Spirit. And it was through Jesus' first coming, we live in the age of the Spirit now. And the Holy Spirit came on Pentecost in a new, dynamic, profound way that not only, not only was he resting on people to empower them for service, which is what he did in the Old Testament, but now the Holy Spirit comes into us to change us and to give us new life. And so Will talked about that and had an emphasis on this, that it's not all about power and gifts, but it is equally about character and fruit. And the New Testament talks about the fruit of the Holy Spirit, which is the character of a person who's a Jesus follower, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness. And, and the, the, these two things are both essential for us to carry out the mission God's given us. Well, it goes on then, and he says, the Lord's justice will dwell in the desert. His righteousness will live in the fertile field. And Luke spoke about justice uh, to, to the beginning of this, um, con- at the beginning of this series, in the first of December. And uh, talk, we talked about, Luke talked about justice. And justice, the word itself, is taken uh, in, the, in the Old Testament and New Testament from the root of the word righteous. And what righteous means is right. It just simply means the right way, the way things were intended to be. And so when we talk about justice, what we're talking about is what did God intend the world to be like? And he intended it to be a place that was, that was equitable, a place where there, there weren't the, the poor, poor, poverty didn't exist. One nation did not oppress another nation. And so Luke boiled it all down to this, 
He said, the way, the way we pursue justice is by loving and honoring all people. Loving and honoring all people, especially widows, orphans, the poor, the prisoner, the oppressed. But loving and honoring all people, that's something we can do very easily because we all encounter people every day who need to be loved and honored. But then in addition to that, um, minister to them. We need to have ministries that reach out to them. But in addition, uh, speaking on issues that are clearly biblical. When, when there is an opportunity to speak to an issue that is clearly biblical, sometimes in our culture, biblical issues overlap with political issues. And so that makes it kind of tricky because we don't want to put our hope in politics. But if, for instance, issue one, when we were about to take that vote, we stood up here and told you what we as a leadership team thought about that, what we thought about abortion and how you know, we were going to vote on this. And so we were speaking to an issue of justice there because it's unjust for, for babies to be taken out of their mother's wombs and not allowed to live. That's an unjust thing. It's not God's original plan. And so we speak to that. But obviously, uh, we were hoping issue one would not pass. It did pass. And you might say, well, then what do you do with that? You know, did we fail? Did God fail? What's, you know, what's up with that? And what we do with that is we say, well, we're trusting in God. Ultimately, our trust is not in politics. Ultimately, uh, our trust is not in government. And the truth of the matter is government can't bring the kingdom of God in. The, the government can act righteously or unrighteously, but that's the effect of the kingdom. It's not the kingdom. And so uh, this woman from... Um, England, uh, I think she's Scottish, Emma Stark. I heard her say this. She's a, she's a prophet. And she said, I love America, and I love the American church. But she said, I think that you tend to put your hope in someone that you hope is putting their hope in God. <laughs> and she said, I suggest you cut out the middleman. Okay? Let's just put our hope in God. Yeah. Well, when it comes uh, to peace, one of the best-known Christmas passages is Isaiah 9, 6, and 7. And uh, in Isaiah 9, 6, and 7, you'll, you'll, you'll be familiar with this. It says this, For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will rest on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. Now, he's speaking here primarily of Jesus as prince, Jesus as king, Jesus bringing world peace, which will happen when he returns and obliterates this current evil age. But it also, it also takes our minds to personal peace. And, and how do we live with peace? Not just how is there peace on, on the earth. And uh, it certainly reminds me, though, of uh, Luke 2.14, which says that the angels appeared to the shepherds. You know that story? It's one of my favorites. Because it says the angels appeared to the shepherds, and, and they, they were speaking to the shepherds. But then it says a myriad, myriads and myriads of angels appeared. And it's kind of like, it's easy to think, look at that and think, well, okay, God sent a half a dozen angels. And then right in the middle of their speech, he sent 100,000 angels. I don't think that's what happened. I think what he did, he sent a few angels, and as they're speaking, 
heaven opens up. As they're speaking, God drew back the curtain and just showed these shepherds what was happening in heaven and the myriads and myriads of angels that were worshiping God. But here's, here's what they said to the shepherds. Glory to God in the highest and peace on earth for people of goodwill. So glory to God in the highest and peace on earth for people of goodwill. That was the message, peace. Not only peace on earth, but peace to people. And in Isaiah 53, 5, there's a hint here of, uh, well, not a hint. It is it's teaching us about the foundation of the peace that we have. And it says this. It says, he was pierced for our transgressions. Isaiah 53 is all about uh, Jesus. It's called the chapter of the suffering servant. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. And the chastisement he bore brought us peace. And by his wounds we are healed. Certainly means physical healing, but it also refers to the healing of the heart. That's how we get new hearts. And this is how, this is how we are able to walk in peace. So what is peace and how do you get it? Well, peace is this. It is an inner sense of well-being. In the Old Testament, it had this sense of your life is going right. And just this sense of well-being that everything's okay. Everything is right. Everything is all right. And so we can have peace with God. Uh, you know, the broken relationship with God is healed. It's mended. We're forgiven. Anything we had against God is cast aside because we see how good he is and how mistaken we were. And our relationship is healed and we have peace with God. That's Romans 5. Paul talks about that. But then again, we can have peace of heart. There's another reference to peace of heart. Peace in my heart about the things that are happening in my life and, and, and what, what God's calling me to and all of the events in life and in the world. I can have peace. And when I have that, then I can become a peacemaker. And Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers, for theirs is the kingdom of God. You cannot be a peacemaker if you don't, first of all, have peace with God. And then if you're not walking with an internal sense of peace where you're trusting God for the events of your life and your life is lined up with God's will and purpose for you and you're able to experience the supernatural peace of Jesus. And so we walk in his peace, then we can become peacemakers. But peace is the result of alignment, Okay, a lot of Christians don't have peace because they're not in alignment with God's purposes for them. And when I am in alignment with God's will and God's purposes for my life, then whatever happens, I can have peace. You, you run into hardship, you can say, wow, that's, man, that's tough. But you know what? I know I'm doing what God wants me to do. I know I'm headed down the track that God wants me to be on. And when, when you say that, there's just this supernatural release of peace that comes into your heart and into your, into your inner person because your life is lined up with God the way it needs to be lined up with God. Uh, think, of, think of a car that, whose front end is out of alignment. It, you know, we have mechanics in the room, I'm sure. And so the front end is out of alignment. What happens? The car vibrates. You hit a certain speed, the steering wheel even starts to shake. And another thing that happens is the tires wear out. Lori and I traveled out west right after seminary, and the day we left, I went to get gas, and on the way back to the house, right before we left, I hit a huge hot pothole. 
We drove out through the mountains of Colorado on those narrow roads, you know, where there's like a one-foot space between you and a 500-foot fall. And I could, I could hardly tolerate it. But if, <laughs> if I had known what was happening to our tires, I would have been terrified because when we got home, one of the tires on the inside of it was worn right down almost, almost to the cords. And so out of alignment does a lot of things that are, that are bad. And when my life is out of, out of alignment with God's purposes for me, when my life is out of alignment with the way he's calling me to live, the fruit of the Spirit in my life, not just the action of the Spirit, but the fruit of the Spirit in my life, then I'm, I'm going to have unrest. There's going to be pain in my heart. There's going to be anxiety in my heart. And I think a lot of Christians don't live with peace simply because they're living according to the wrong system. And their lives are based upon not the kingdom, kingdom values and kingdom ways, God's ways, but their life is based upon this fallen world system's ways. And so alignment is just a, a crucial thing. And um, when I'm in alignment, then I am going to walk in peace. Now, you can look at this alignment in a couple different ways. You can look at alignment as something that happens ex externally. And so you have a list in your mind. Okay, relationships, good. Job, good. Finances, good. Health, good. Family and kids, good. So I have peace. But what happens when I have to start checking some of these boxes the other direction? Where jobs, nope, just lost my job. Finances, they're crashing because I just lost my job. Health, I can't sleep at night. I'm going, you know, I'm, I'm losing my mind. I can't sleep at night. What happens then? Peace is gone because it's based upon external events. And external events are always going to be transitory. External events are always going to change and up and down. It's, it's going to be erratic. But there's a peace we can have, the peace of God that's not based on outward circumstances. and even overrules outward circumstances. It trumps outward circumstances. And that's the peace of the Holy Spirit, the peace of Jesus. Jesus even said that he gives us his peace. We're going to look at that verse in a moment or two. But Isaiah 48, 18 says this. It says, if you had paid attention to my commands... If only you had paid attention to my commands, your peace would be like a river, your well-being like the waves of the sea. So this inner peace is based upon me living according to God's ways. The, the, uh, John, in 1 John, said this. He said, this is love for God. What do you think love for God is? Love for God is keeping his commandments. If I really love God, then I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to live the way he's calling me to live because I know that he has my best interest at heart. I know he loves me, and I know he's a whole lot smarter than me. I know he created me, and he knows the way I need to live. So I love him. I want to please him. I'm going to walk in his ways. And, and, and then he goes on to say, uh, his commands are not a burden. His commands are not heaped on us to, like, control us but to free us into being what he created us to be. And so pay attention to his commands, uh, just the way we were created and, and, and the way he teaches us to live as his creation. Peace like a river, uh, rivers flow. There's a current there. It's hard to go upstream. 
It's almost like he's saying here, if you walk in obedience to him, if, if you align your life rightly with, with his ways, then it's almost hard to fall out of peace because there's a current, that's a, cur- a river of peace that is flowing. And then he goes on to say this, it would be like uh, your well-being like the waves of the sea. And so this well-being is peace like the waves of the sea, which they just keep coming. They just keep coming. Have you ever been at the ocean? You go down, you put a chair down, you think you're far enough away from the water that you're safe and your blankets are all safe. But then when the waves keep coming and keep coming, it happens pretty quickly and you, you end up jumping and running and grabbing your stuff to move out of the way because waves don't stop. Ocean waves just keep coming. So that's what our peace is like. That's what's offered to us when we align our lives with him. So get this. A believer has a new heart. A new heart. A kingdom heart. And so if I as a believer align my heart with the kingdom of darkness, this present evil age, then I'm out of alignment. Because my heart is designed for kingdom values, not for the values that are taught in in this fallen world. And so when my heart is out of alignment, then, you know, I I, I miss the peace that God has for me. In fact, I live in turmoil. And it's not enough just to memorize a verse on peace. It's not enough to say, well, I don't have any peace, so I'm going to memorize a verse on peace and quote it to myself. And that might make you feel better for a moment. But, but it's deceptive because if my life is headed the wrong direction, if the way, I'm, the way I'm living isn't in alignment with his ways, then memorizing that verse, you know, I don't even have access to that. It's when I align my heart with his ways that all of this comes into play and I, and I get access to his peace and to his well-being, his sense of well-being. To illustrate this, I grew up going to church, learned a lot about the Bible. I, I never accepted Christ, though, so I didn't have a new heart, but I learned the way you're supposed to live, you know, as much as I could understand it, and tried to live that way. But I came to a point in my late teens where I made a conscious decision to abandon that type of life and really to abandon any restraint in my life. And for a while, that felt good. It just felt good, and you know Why? because my unredeemed heart was in alignment, at least with the fallen world. So I was at least in alignment, you get that? Alignment can produce a false sense of peace when it's, when it's, when it's an unregenerate heart aligning with the things of the world. But Paul t- talks about that, and he calls the, the things of the world this, this, uh, you know, this current age and the values of this current age, he refers to that as the flesh. And he says, the flesh produces death. And so that peace I had didn't last long. It didn't last long. And eventually, I just out of the inner angst and turmoil I was experiencing, I opened my heart to Christ. And then I experienced real peace. And then I began to really grow in my walk with Christ and, and, and to really develop in relationship with him. But about three months in, I ran into a friend of mine that I, I had run around with before, and everybody, all my friends knew that I had changed, and, um, and, and I wasn't very, very wise or kind in the way I shared it with them, but this guy didn't want to talk to me. And I walked away, and I sat down, and I just felt this dark cloud of depression come over me. I had no idea about spiritual warfare 
or Satan's ability to, you know, to attack us like that. But I fell back into my old ways for about three months. So during that time, here now, I have a new heart, but I'm living in that old, that old pattern. And so that was a time of turmoil. That was a time of real angst and grief in my life until God in his graciousness and mercy really just opened my eyes to what was happening and drew me back into the right way. And so I just want to illustrate that if you don't have a new heart, you need to get one by accepting Jesus. And if you do have a new heart, you need to be growing in your understanding of what does it mean to live as a kingdom of God person and begin to change my values and begin to live with the values of the kingdom rather than the values of this fallen world. And so some of those values, kingdom of God, I'm just going to run through a few things here quickly, but in relationships, kingdom of God is honor. You honor other people because they're, even if they're unbelievers, they're created in the image of God. So you honor them. I think in the, in the kingdom of darkness, I fear other people messing up things that will mess up my life. And, and so I try to control others. In the kingdom of God, it's honor. In the kingdom of darkness, it's control. Even my own teenage kids trying to control them rather than trying to nurture them into something. Uh, mercy is the kingdom of God. Judgment is the kingdom of darkness. Transparency, because I trust God with my life, is the kingdom of God. But fear and self-protection and hiding is the kingdom of darkness. And uh, you know, other, other values, that's just relationship. Possessions, in the kingdom of God, I view possessions as a steward. It's all God's. I'm just managing it for him. Kingdom of darkness value is, hey, it's mine. And don't anyone try to tell me how to use it. You can do, even for a believer now, it's very easy to say, well, you can talk to me about my, whether I watch pornography or not. You can talk to me about how I'm treating my wife, but don't try to tell me how to use my money. And there's just this defensiveness about it that it's, that's, that's a very kingdom of darkness value. So if that's my value, then no wonder I'm having some stress and turmoil in my life and heart. But uh, kingdom of God's abundance, kingdom of darkness is scarcity. The kingdom of God, I know God's going to provide. He promised it, and he has an abundance to do that, and I'm going to have enough. In the kingdom of darkness, it's scarce. There isn't enough. No, I'm never going to have enough, and therefore, I live in fear. And then the kingdom of God, of course, is generous, whereas the kingdom of darkness, living with a scarcity mentality, hoards out of fear and, and is withholding from, from being generous. And then purpose, kingdom of God is bringing heaven to earth, but a lot of Christians fall into this kingdom of darkness thinking, do you know what that is? I get to go to heaven when I die. If I think that's my purpose, then I'm falling under the wrong influence. That's a kingdom of darkness value. Not that I'm not excited that I get to go to heaven when I die, okay? But if, that, if I take that as my purpose for life right now, I just gotta hold on, hold on until I die. Then I'm missing it. Um, Kingdom of God is sacrifice. Kingdom of darkness is survival. Well, no one can blame me for trying to survive. Of course, I'm gonna, I gotta do whatever I need to to survive. But you, you don't find that as a disciple of Jesus as, a, as the highest value. It is a value, but it's not the highest value, okay? And then Jesus' mission, 
uh, versus personal fulfillment. Again, this is something Christians get tripped up on. You know, you know I'm, I'm gifted to preach, and no one ever lets me preach, and no one ever asks me to do this or to do that. Or, well, just jump in and do something and serve. It's about advancing the kingdom as a team. It's not about me getting to be personally fulfilled. However, on the other hand, we want you to get to operate in your gifts. We want to figure out a way for that to happen. But if it becomes an issue in my heart, then I'm falling into the whole idea of personal fulfillment as being a highest, high, high value. And um, so you can see that there are, there are some clear values that are kingdom values versus king, kingdom of God versus kingdom of darkness values. And when we walk in the path of growing obedience, then peace is activated in our hearts. And it doesn't have to be perfect obedience. It's just take the next step with Jesus, whatever it might be. Take the next step. All you got to do is worry about that one step at a time. You don't need to try. You don't need to become like Jesus tomorrow. But you need to be moving down that path and willing to take the next step with him. This is why Jesus said in John 14, 27, that there is a supernatural peace. He said this. He said, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. I don't give you to you as the world gives. The world gives peace how sporadically when situations are going right. He said, I'm giving you peace that will transcend your circumstances. He says, do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. So peace, he leaves. That's our inheritance. My peace I give. That's supernatural right there. Don't you want the peace of Jesus? Don't you want, want the ability to maybe wrestle with God once in a while in Gethsemane, but come out the other end with peace? That's what we're all looking for. And so uh, Jesus said this again in John 16, He said, I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble. He's really open about it here. Listen, you're living in a broken world. You're kingdom people living in a broken world. You're going to have trouble. In fact, some of that trouble is going to come just because of the fact that you're a kingdom of God person. Just picture this. What if you were transported in time back to the year 1000 and dropped into, I don't know, someplace in Europe where miraculously you could understand them, they could understand you, and you start telling them about medicine and how it works, and you tell them about germs and washing their hands and how that works, and and you tell them about engineering and all sorts of other things that you would carry from this future age into the past age. You know what would happen? Some people might believe you, and if they did, they'd say, man, I can't wait. I, I, I hope I'm still alive when that gets here. Other people would call you a heretic and persecute you because you're going against the spirit of the day. And when we walk as kingdom of God people, even in the fruit, the love and the joy and the peace of the kingdom... There's going to be significant pushback. We should just expect it. And and that's why Jesus is saying, in this world, you'll have trouble. But then he says, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Jesus said, I have a peace that trumps all of the world, all the world can throw at you. You can walk in my peace. And then Philippians 4, 6 and 7 says, do not be anxious about anything, But in everything, every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, 
present your requests to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Okay, so talk to God about it with thanksgiving. That nullifies complaining. That means I'm not coming to him saying, God, what the heck are you doing? Once in a while we do that, okay? That happens, and God's very patient with us when it happens. In fact, you look at the psalmist, he even does that a few times himself. But generally speaking, he's saying here, come without complaining, but with thankfulness. That means you're going to be looking at all the things in your life God has done and is doing. And you're going to focus on them and, um, and, and focus on God's goodness. And the peace of God will guard. That word guard means fortify. It means build a fort. Peace of God will fortify your heart. It will build a fort around your heart to protect your heart from fear and anxiety. And so this is, this is just a real key part of the whole deal is to, um, is, is to talk to God. And I, when, with all the changes we're experiencing, when we were back in my hometown with my mother for a week, Lori and I were doing a lot of walking. And, and I'm also thinking, we were on a sabbatical. And we're thinking about, well, what are we going to do when we step aside from leadership here in the church next, next October? And working through that, and I'm thinking about that. And same time, Wilson's processing through what's his future going to be and all of that. And I woke up one morning, and that was all just kind of heavy in my heart. And, and, I, and I woke up with that song, um, The Goodness of God, where he says, I've known you as a father, and I've known you as a friend. And, and just, it just came to me. I thought, I just really need to talk to you, God. I just need to talk to you like a friend. So I just went on a long walk. And no complaining, I just said, Lord, here's what's on my heart. And just talking and listening and came out of that with this peace just because I talked to him about it. Just because I opened up my heart and, and revealed it all to him. And he even gave me some clear direction through the whole thing, which wasn't really what I was looking for, but it was really, really good. And so to walk in peace, first of all, I, I just want to say to walk in peace Receive Jesus Christ, who is the Prince of Peace. He's Savior and Prince of Peace. If you have never invited him into your heart, specifically and pointedly said, Jesus, I want you in my life. I, I know I need to be forgiven for my sins, but I want more than that. I want you in my life to lead me in life. Then pray that. In fact, I'm going to lead in a short prayer right now. And just say this if, if this, if you've never received Christ, just say something like this to him. Just say, say, say God, I, I realize that I've failed in life. I've sinned and disobeyed you. I thank you that there's forgiveness in Jesus and what he did on the cross. I thank you that there's new life through his resurrection. And so I say, Jesus, I invite you into my life to give me not only forgiveness, but also a new heart, your heart. And show me how to walk in your ways, in Jesus' name, amen. Okay, if you just prayed that with me, you took the first step towards a life of peace. And I want you to come up afterwards and tell me that so that I know, I can give you some other encouragements. But um, begin to walk on the path of apprenticeship to Jesus, one step at a time. Don't, don't live in shame and guilt because you're not more than you are. Just be willing to take, Jesus, what's the next step? 
Oh, you want me to stop what, complaining? Okay, God, I'll stop complaining. Um, I'll stop saying, I wish this hadn't happened, or it's raining out, crap, what an awful day. Why did that have to happen? I'll stop doing that. I'll stop complaining. If that's the next step, then do that. It, it might be criticism. I'm going to stop criticizing other people. I'm going to stop looking every time I go to a restaurant. I mean, myself, I go to a restaurant, and I'm thinking, well, where's the manager? Why is that piece of litter on the floor? And didn't anybody train these servers or, or, or not? And I'm, stopping, I'm going to stop doing that. And here's what, I'm going to, here's what I'm trying to do. I'm not going to worry about the piece of litter on the floor. I, I don't even want to notice it. Because if I don't see any little things that are wrong, then I'm not going to complain about anything. But maybe that's it. Maybe it is complaining. Or maybe it's just the focus of my mind that I need to, um, I need to, need to take a step ahead in. You know, if I'm constantly thinking, well, we have enough money, or if, if, I'm, if I'm constantly upset because someone spoke to me and I don't know the look in their, what the look on their face meant and I think they were disrespecting me, or maybe you feel like your husband or your wife are constantly disrespecting you, uh, what your mind's focused on is what you're going to see, or if I can't wait for the next episode to see who commits adultery with whom in this show I'm watching, or maybe just TVs and movies in general that are dark and evil. Or how about just poor living habits? You know, I eat too many potato chips at night and I can't sleep or I stay up too late. Jerry Seinfeld has a great routine where he talks about nighttime Jerry versus morning Jerry. <laughs> and he says this, pardon, my, pardon the language, but he says, nighttime Jerry will always screw over morning Jerry. <laughs> he doesn't care about morning Jerry. Oh, that's his problem, not mine. Sure, I'll stay up and watch the end of the game. Sure, I'll watch that movie. And, you know, maybe you think that way, and you need to take some steps ahead just in some overall self-discipline. So hear what he's saying to you. Take that simple step, whatever it might be, and begin to walk in that. And when you face pressure, pray. When peace is gone, ask him to show you if there's a reason. Normally, it's because I'm focused the wrong direction, or I'm focused on something that isn't really true. Or, or it might be that there's something in my life, actually, I'm doing that I need to change. And then finally hear this, declare, I am in Christ, and the same Holy Spirit who gave him peace gives me peace. Now, if you're willing to take the next step with him, if you're willing to listen to his voice and take the next step, then you can say that last phrase with confidence. I am in Christ, and the same Holy Spirit who gave him peace gives me peace. So would you stand with me? I'm going to pray for peace of God for each one of us. Father, we do thank you for your goodness. You are so good. And Lord, so often we don't see it. We just miss it. And uh, it takes your Holy Spirit, it takes you in opening our minds to see it. So I pray right now for anyone who needs to see your goodness. Holy Spirit, you would open their eyes to see your goodness. See the goodness of the Father and the goodness of his work in our lives not to blame him for the things in the external part of my life that are happening, but to trust him as I walk through them. So I pray that for you, that there would be peace as you face external events that are not to your liking. As you do that, that you also be taking internal steps, it takes steps in your life of obedience, walking on his path, so that you can say, that, pay, that peace Jesus gives, I, 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 that's mine. I can get that. I can walk in that right now.
I pray that blessing on you in Jesus' name. Amen.